Lost and Sound is sponsored by Audio Technica. Audio Technica are a global but still family run company that make headphones, turntables, cartridges, microphones. They make studio quality yet affordable products because they believe that high quality audio should be accessible to all. So, wherever you are in the world, head on over to audiotechnica.com to check out all of their range of stuff. Lost and Sound. I'm Paul Hamford. I'm your host. I'm a writer, an author, and a university lecturer based in Berlin, where I'm speaking to you now from. And this is the show where each episode I have conversations with the musical innovators, the outsiders, the mavericks, the artists that do their own unique thing. And we talk about music, creativity, life, the stuff that makes us do the things that we do. Previous guests, have included Peaches, Suzanne Chiani, Jim O'Rourke, Jilly Gonzalez, Hanya Rani, Jean-Michel Jarre, Sleaford Mods, Mickey Blanco and Thurston Moore. And today on the show, you're going to hear a conversation I had with Lee Gamble. My book, Coming to Berlin, is available in all good bookshops and via the publisher Velocity Press's website. Okay, so I'm talking to you today from a very, very cold Mitter in Berlin, where the temperature in the last couple of days has dropped immensely. It's proper winter now. Um, my ears have been blocked for a week. It's been quite weird. I had to go to get them unblocked this morning. And suddenly I can hear again in 3D. It's, it's, it wasn't a pleasant experience, but it's almost worth it, the sensation of suddenly without realizing how much I couldn't hear for a week, suddenly hearing a full spectrum of sound. It's like, wow, got these headphones on. I'm in stereo. Anyway, Lee Gamble is my guest on the show today. Producer, composer, DJ. He's got one foot in club sounds, one foot in experimental music and merges them both together. His new record, which is just out, called Models, feels like a very personal record and it's the latest step in an evolution of an artist that came through jungle and through techno uh, out of his hometown of Birmingham in the 90s and he moved into into the 2000s going more into the realms of compositional avant-garde experimental music before moving back again merging them both over the last decade he's been merging both experimental and and club sounds into something something that is uniquely lee gamble-esque if that makes sense in 2017 he signed to the hugely influential hyperdub label and released a series of forward facing albums which brings us to the latest models um i think this is a fucking incredible record it uses processed ai voices 
to create something that sounds both modern and ancient and blends this new technology uh, with a variety of instrumentation in variety of texture and a lot of space we start talking about talk talk um in the conversation and mark hollis and how and and you can hear the influence of that in a really really unusual way in models and it's a very emotional record it's very rare to find something that uses something like ai and manages to get such depths of emotion out of it i love this record and we spoke on a on a monday morning it was the 13th of november and he had just got back from a weekend of of djing and we had a very fluid conversation we got into a lot of subjects i really enjoyed this chat he's a very lovely man this is what happened when i met lee gamble you can maybe hear me now yes that's it can hear you now brilliant well no my bad i'm a yeah, I'm uh, a bit deprived to say the least, so bear with me. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. That's always a good state to have a chat. So, yeah. Actually, yeah, I get a bit zoned out. I mean, I've just come back from two sh- from a weekend of gigs. So I'm like, I've, uh, yeah, Monday morning, well, Monday lunchtime morning, whatever time it is. <laughs> yeah, it's like, <laughs> most chill, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think that's quite often a thing with with DJing as well, isn't it? It's, it's having um, quite a different week structure to everyone yeah. else. Is, yeah. is that something that you just always feel quite natural with? Yeah, I've always done it. I've never, I've never worked really like nine to five. Even when I, I before my before I did music and stuff like as a job, if you like, as an income, mm. I worked like shift work and things like that. So I've, I've, I, a lot of my family did as well. So I'm kind of yeah, I, I'm not really that like. Uh, yeah, I used to. I remember I worked uh, years ago in um, for uh, Discovery Channel. You know the Discovery. Mm-hmm. Channel? I, I worked for them, like in their Chiswick, like uh, so basically where they output all the channels, whatever you call it, Center Discovery Europe Center. I don't know what the hell. That's some kind of name. <laughs> you know, one of these kind of <laughs> Universe Discovery Universe in Chiswick or whatever the hell it was. And um, <laughs> to come, I, I remember I moved into this new house in Holloway, just off Holloway, off a, on Holloway Road. Mm. And um, it was a cul-de-sac, and I used to get home on sun- on Monday morning after like six night shifts. So like my Monday morning in the summer was like that Monday morning when I then got a week off or whatever was like really my like Friday night, right? So I'd mm. in my back, and I was in this cul-de-sac, and I just moved in, and I'd sit in the kind of I didn't have a garden, like it was just a, a flat. So I'd sit in the window of the flat. And like, you know, I don't know, have a zoo or something and a beer on Monday morning, like in my pants, yeah. see all the neighbours like, oh, who's moved in? <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, you know, just finished eight nights straight, like when you've been out partying and now I'm here Monday morning and they're like, he's got a can of Heineken and a split and he's like, you know what I mean? Like it was always. Yeah. yeah. It's like, oh my God, who's this? Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, you know, not that, not that there's anything wrong with that anyway. Do your thing, yeah. right? Like it was always just like yeah, that kind of like mixture of like people thinking like is really Monday morning at like eight in the morning really? Yeah. <laughs> not Monday morning in my head. It's Friday night right now. For me. <laughs> yeah. that's brilliant. I mean, I live in Berlin, so it's quite oh, common yeah. to sort of have that yeah. kind of thing where that's Monday's just a changeover day, really, for quite a lot of people. Right, right, right. I lived in a pretty like kind of like you know pretty like 
you know, just like a working class street, like, you know, in, in London, like, you know, so people would go back, you know, get in their cars and go into work and I'm like, morning. And they're like, morning. <laughs> <laughs> but now I'm kind of, I'm kind of used to it actually. I mean, it, it doesn't get easier as you get older, I have to say. Yeah. So yeah. It's tiring, but, um, but yeah, I kind of like the kind of chaos of it. If I'm, if I'm being, if I'm really true, to be honest, I kind of like it. It suits me to be like, all right, where am I going? Am I Wednesday? I travel mm-hmm. then I'm back on th- next Tuesday or kind of randomness of it is kind of like, it does suit my, it does suit me in a lot of ways. But yeah, it's yeah. probably obvious, but you know, it is what it is. Like, no complaints. No complaints. <laughs> <laughs> and, and do you think as like an artist as well, that kind of chaotic, um, weekly structure or life structure does that sort of help your process do you think not really i'd say i'd say it's kind of yeah my kind of dj stuff and like i mean obviously like i dj kind of like throughout you know kind of dj is kind of like you know in a sense like a job for me in a, in a way like, you know I'm not, i don't mean that in like any trite way i just mean like you know it's kind of like a steady income source right like it's like mm. a few live shows you you have an album cycle that could be a couple of years so you know so like to have to wait all that time to then just work and then not work for you know so so like the dj is kind of the regular thing when i'm kind of sitting down and starting to write a re- like i've got two weeks now at home and i'm just already like can't wait to just get in the studio i'm gonna give myself today off after this because i yeah. should but after that i'm like i've been on the you know on flights kind of like just sketching some notes down for things i want to do with the arrangements in some songs i'm writing etc etc so like i can't wait to get in there and just start writing and you know so and then just switch off from the dj but it's very kind of like yeah kind of yin yang or something black and white whatever like uh, <laughs> like so i'm kind of like okay there's my dj and that's what i do and i want to like play the club and mm. you know and, and do that thing and then i'm coming back and could be writing something not even dance music related so it's kind of like but I, but yeah I kind of like that too. It's kind of good because I can just kind of like put a hundred percent into something for these mm. bus, and then put a hundred percent into something in another bus. So it sort of suits my personality, I guess. So I mean, I ended up doing it, so it must do somehow. Yeah. <laughs> so it must be some. It must be in there somewhere in a square peg in a square hole kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely. Something's going right there in that combination. <laughs> okay, I'm not. I'm not looking back to the day job. So it must be okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, so, I mean, Models came out really recently. Um, yeah. To me, it's a really emotional sounding piece of music, you know, but you're yeah, using yeah. kind of very modern kinds of ideas, iterations of technology yeah. involved in it. Yeah. Was it very important for you to to find the emotion within things like AI when you yeah, were... 100%. Yeah, 100%. Oh, yeah, 100%. Like, I mean, I wouldn't, I would have no interest in using it otherwise, like, at yeah. all. If yeah. it just appeared to me as this kind of cold, technologized, um, abstract thing, I didn't really have. I did used to work in that way with sort of technology, like back in the mid 2000s when I was doing a lot more experimental computer music, noise music. Then I actually had a real super interest in this kind of like, sort of plasticity of sound and the sculptural aspect of sound and the fact that it can be kind of non-musical and where that where that border is where something Mm. sounds like a piece of music and where something just sounds like some super alien kind of sound and i was super interested in that however like that that's still kind of with me as a kind of as a kind of idea as a kind if you know what i mean but not like Mm. it's not like so then the emotions were in the background that was in the foreground now it's the flip way i'm still interested in these like future-facing kind of leak cutting edge if you like for want of a better word 
technologies or new things like that are happening that you can use as an artist. But uh, yeah, over the last bunch of years, like I'm just opening up a lot more, I think as a, as a, as a writer in a way, like as somebody who wants to write a chord or, you know, not eight, not uh, hopefully I'll write more than one, but you know what I mean? Yeah. When I sit down and hit something, it's kind of like, I'm just allowing a a musicality more and more, which has always been there. It's just that I had my eye, I had a different way of, I guess I had a different way of um, expressing my interest in those technologies. Now it's not technology as much first. It's much, much, much more sec- way back. I mean, I, I can't write. I couldn't have really made models without that, but I didn't want it to be in, in I didn't want that to be the thing that, that dominates the, the record. I wanted the thing that dominates the record was about, you know, this idea that there's a kind of emptiness sort of in these voices. They don't have any... They don't have any people behind. Well, I mean, obviously the data sets and all mm. I have is people behind it. I'm obviously aware of that. But I mean, in terms of like, you know, a pops, you know, the pop voice, if you like, or the singing voice is always mentally, imaginatively or visually attached to a body. Like it's very mm. much human, like the even if it's a robot or something. And these things are like, they were just struck me as I started to play with this technology three, three or four years ago, was that like, they don't have that, right? They, they're very mm. ephemeral and very kind of like ghost-like, if you like, or vapor-like. They don't really have any of this. And I thought this was a beautiful kind of hole that they sort of create. Mm. Um, and that was attached to also my own kind of, you know, like a, a loss of a few people in my life at that yeah. time things like that so it all just sort of like sat there really nicely together and I thought I can really express this yeah so I think it's a lot of longing in the record for me it feels a very like a a kind of a record that feels very like yeah there's a certain lot it's something about being kind of lost in an empty space that's also quite beautiful and also something about you know that kind of idea of when you do when something does go in your life or whatever there is always like this you know, everyone has had that mostly, and there's a grieving process where there's the pain, the sadness, but then there's this idea of there's a there's a new chapter in your life somehow. I don't want to be dismissive of someone going, but like mm. I think of it like that. I've lost quite a lot of people in my life for one reason or another, you know. Like, and it's like I've had to. I think it's something I've had to learn how to how to work with in a way. Like, rather than just leave a hole in you, are oh, they gone and that's it? It's like, mm. well, what can we fill? What the, what does what does that get filled with? So, yeah, so it feels very much attached to those kind of emotions, which are, of course, as deep and as kind of emotional as you can kind of expect. However, yeah, the technology can kind of feel like it it places the record in a place which is not that, but that's just not true. <laughs> like, it's mm. just like it's it's probably by far my most kind of personal, if you like. Mm. like. I don't know. I think they're all personal in a different way, in a very in a very close way that I'm quite closed off personally with that sort of stuff normally in my life. I don't talk. You know, I didn't kind of, wasn't kind of grow up kind of talking about those things. You know, it was yeah. like mine, and then I've got my musical stuff that I do. So I could I could say about an idea or a time period, like diversions or ideas, mm. like Koch or Trashar. But this was very personal about not just like it was my dad that I lost during making it, but it was more like a few other people that have been there and all people that help you. Like the last song on it is not AI at all. It's just written. I've written it like the lyrics, and it's sang by a vocal synthesizer and um called your way on my arms and it was kind of like me just really kind of thinking about how people kind of help you in those moments they take the weight off and there's this weightlessness to these voices so i was thinking about that a lot so i was looking through my notes and just this idea of weight someone taking a weight off you or you doing it for them when they need you 
Um, and obviously that happens when you go through tough times. If you've got good people around you, they can do that yeah. for you. But that's like, I think that's kind of as emotional and as personal as you can get. And then, and then mm. if people can't read that. Then I guess it's just not my, I can't do much more. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm a huge fan of like kind of songwriting and like, and I always have been like when I was making models, I was listening a lot back to like Mark Hollis records and oh yeah, stuff like that, you know, and really hearing it's like this kind of like, you know, I don't always think like this, but this kind of like working class guy, which I am, and there's a, there's a baggage that comes with that in terms of your emotional repertoire that you're allowed to develop outwardly, generally. Mm. Right? And um, you get people like that who are able to do it so brilliantly and so like eloquently and elegantly and musically. And I'm not, I'm not for a second putting myself in the same shoes as Mark Hollis, but mm. you know. Um, that was the kind of things I was listening to, really, because it's just mm -hmm. this, like, it was really about this voice. And he he was quite anti-image in a lot of ways in the end of his career. Certainly mm -hmm. in the I know he went through the talk talk stuff, but I think he was just like, I don't think he ever really wanted that. I think he had to do that because he was a pop artist and big and making it. So, so yeah, there was lots of things like that that were very, mm -hmm. yeah. Anyone listen to Mark Hollis's self-titled album, you know, you can... Yeah, that's the kind of headspace I was in more than anything else, actually, in a sense. Like, yeah, so I hope that answers the question a bit. No, that's fantastic. Yeah, and it's actually interesting that you mentioned, because I hadn't picked up on the Mark Hollis thing, hmm. listening to, but thinking about it now, uh, one of the things that I really get out of, like, I think particularly like those couple of Talk Talk albums, yeah. is, is the amount of space and dynamic and, like, yeah, and silence in there. In the, in the, I mean, I, I, I always, like, even when I was, I mean, I was, I'm not, I'm not, like, that old to like I bought the records or anything like but they were kind of things that were on in my in my dad my dad would play or whatever like mm. or would be on in my house especially the talk talks so Mark Hollis album is later right but the talk talk you know the big hits I like I always loved those songs like I remembered them and when I was a kid they were they stuck out to me out of all the charts out of a lot of charts I mean other stuff too mm. but also and then when I, I kind of I've just bought his biography actually there's someone's just written a, a biography about him because yeah I kind of want to know a bit more and um when you listen to like the, the Mark Hollis, Mark Hollis record, I was listening to an interview with him and he's talking about how they recorded it. Um, you know, he's an extremely knowledgeable person about music and composition and stuff. Mm. Like he's, I mean, he's obviously a, a great pop writer as well, but that wouldn't be to undermine like his understanding of yeah, the use of like silence in between notes and the, mm. the delicacy of a, of a piano and his voice. I mean, he was a kind of ASMR record before that was invented, like mm. how close he is to the mic. He basically set up a situation in the studio where he'd have like microphones in the studio with an engineer and they, and then have the instrumentalist play, but not all at the same time. So, mm. so someone would come in and play, the violin or whatever's on the record or the drums. And then he was an overdub, but live, but with them positioned in this kind of 3D space. So extremely like forward thinking record and, but also just really approachable too. And I really, that's something I, I kind of like in music really, when they have these, like they can have these like super like crazy ideas or whatever, but they're just also just records. And, and, and that's just, that's, that's, that's when I think, that's when they're really magic to me. And I think he he's he's someone that does that uh, or was able to do that, was able to make an absolute smash hit that you, everyone, that your nan would sing at the birthday party or something. <laughs> I was evidently like very aware of like perhaps composers like Morton Feldman or minimalist or jazz or like things like, you know, things that were much more kind of 
uh, out there rec- genres or ideas and yeah and just to put them together and make this thing that just feels very natural is he's a real i think it's a i think it's quite a skill actually yeah. yeah, and I think I kind of I picked that up with models as well, is because I love all of your work, but it feels like on models it does feel like a point where the the emotion does join together with the experimentation and, and the the club elements as well, like that. Like, do you yeah. feel like yeah. when you do you listen back to it, or do you when you finish something, you just like okay, that's it, I've done, I've moved. Yeah, on. both actually. I like I really actually enjoyed making this record. Weirdly, it was a really tough time for me at, at that time. You know, yeah. uh, but I actually really enjoyed making it because it was very freeing to me. It was this sort of new space for me. Tempos weren't like I wasn't really. I was I was really not. I was just sort of like letting stuff through in a sense. I wasn't like sitting there going, I'm making a record in a certain tempo or with a certain set. So I had a very clear idea of the instrumentations I wanted to use on it. Like I wanted live instrumentations. I mean, and also some of it, you know, again, I, I don't want to just, just focus on Mark Hollis record, but the kind of way it's recorded, how closely recorded it is, you get all this fret noise, this kind of really beautiful. And there's a few bits of, not all of it, but there's some tracks and models where I really like leaned into that right in the parts myself and let all that actually engine, you know, work with my engineer to kind of pull that out a little bit and give it this very, very intimate uh, or a sort of human feeling rather. So it feels, you know, very, and I wrote a lot of the parts myself. So I, I really had fun writing it. Like I really enjoyed writing like that. So I think that when that happens, I'm more likely to kind of enjoy listening to it. If you know, it's not like I didn't enjoy writing other records. It's just that they're, I don't know. Yeah, I think it, because it was a bit different, it felt like I was kind of listening to uh, listening to something new myself. If you know what yeah. I mean. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because sometimes there's that idea that we we make the things that we want to hear as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I definitely had that with models. I definitely felt there was like a space to use. Not, not, I'm not. I'm not saying that it's, it's like reinventing the wheel musically because it's absolutely not. But like, I thought just this idea of using AI was a big topic, mm. and it's and how artists will use it and how damaging. Uh, how problematic it is, um, you know, how, it's it's all, it's many things, uh, but also how like kind of magical it is and, and kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. So I, I definitely felt that like I had a place, I felt like I wanted to think about how I would use that as an artist. And it took me like a good year or two just playing around with the person that was programming these, uh, the, the, the voice modeling systems with me, just to kind of get an idea of how I could actually write with these things rather than just do it because I said before, just because it's new technology. Actually, like, I wanted to think about how how maybe we'd be using this in a few years' time when everyone doesn't care that it's AI anymore. Mm. <laughs> just using it as an instrument or as another part of a song or, like, you would have synthesized before synthesizers and then everyone was like oh my god they're using electronic synthesizers <laughs> you know so i think hey, oh, it's that thing too yeah and i've also been working on a live project with it with the choreography so with a performance piece so i've been having to kind of go through and listen to it back and kind mm. of rethink of it for a live show so um but yeah no some of them i just i just don't listen to for years mm. I, I haven't I don't go back. I look, I'll have the odd moment when I've come back and I've had a couple of beers and I'll just click on YouTube. Come on, we all do. <laughs> we I'm do. Like, yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> we don't say that they're lying. But, <laughs> but you know what I mean? I'm not really, I don't know. I'll, sometimes I'll go back and check a track if I'm like trying to write something and I'm thinking, hey, I've kind of written something a little bit like this before, a drum pattern or something. Mm. And think, oh, I've written a track on Nestic Pressure a bit like this. I'll, what did that, how did I, let me listen to that. Or I'll open the project file if I have them anymore, but I'll I'll kind of go and listen to them back. But no, I'll be perfectly frank. Yeah, models, I I listened to it a lot. I was, we took, we took weeks 
in the in the mixing stage with my with, mm. with the engineer I worked with Paul. Um, oh, I was really keen on getting it sounding like I wanted it to sound. Um, then also Heba Kaju is like was just like a dream of a mastering engineer for me to do this. Uh, so we had a lot of back and forth to get this really sounding right because I wanted it to mm. kind of sit there sonically you know, up against pop records, because that's how it felt to me. That's not saying again that it is. Mm. It's, that was my, that was my kind of like fit for it, both like with the way I was writing, the way I was thinking, what I was listening to, and also the way it wanted to sit in the DSPs or whatever. If you play a track, mm. does it sit up there with it? Does it sound like that? Is it mixed and engineered that way? So there was a lot of post work on it. So in that sense, I did. Yeah, I'm kind of at the point now where I can't listen to it now. Now I'm like, <laughs> oh, no. but um. Else to listen to now, it's out. So, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's really interesting. So, so, you're mixing it sort of like so it could be listened to like in the context of a pop record or something. And, yeah. and, um, and like, um, because it's quite interesting that I mean, your music does generally fall into the two camps of club sounds and more kind of like compositional, uh, yeah. kind of works, but it also feels like in the last you know, few years, maybe the last couple of decades as well. Um, the the whole kind of idea of continuum of music has kind of fractured up quite a lot Agreed. as well. Yeah, I really know, so do you feel like, you know, like that this this has had a sort of impact on the way you make music as well? That the yeah. you know that there isn't so much like a straightforward lineage to to sound anymore. Yeah, I really agree with that. I think that's a really good point. I I honestly think that. I think also, like, again, I don't want to, like, just use these as, like, uh, you know, like, lazy handles for, like, markers. But when the pandemic happened, obviously, that was a kind yeah. of, you know, it was a huge kind of pause in a way. Look, I, I know it was many other things. It was horrific and it was yeah. low. But just, in, just to simplify it here, like, it was a kind of pause as well. And having that time just to kind of like think and, 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 you know, there was a lot of reflection time, a lot of like, you know, there's a lot of uh, emotion in, in the world, you know, there's a lot of death. And and when that happens, I think that people can kind of like reflect a little, maybe our lives are, you know, certainly in like places like London where, I'm, where I live and that, that, that can be a very much like a, you know, next, 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 you're kind of on this like conveyor belt of of kind of like the way the way those cities work and now you have to work in them if you need to keep making money every month to pay the rent like you have mm. on that treadmill and i think when that stopped you know again i'm not i'm not i'm not like putting a rose tinted glass on. I'd, I'd rather it not happen but it did yeah. stopped i think that was and i think that's that's definitely a kind of fracture i think in i've seen that in the kind of seen in a sense it sort of opened up other conversations were allowed to come to the surface conversations about inclusivity and what lineups look like and all these things and all that happened and i think yeah i mean this is these are positive fractures for sure by the way i'm not i'm not saying anything else but they are that yeah and i do agree with that i think that was part of it i think for me also just yeah i just i just felt as i say there's was, there was some personal stuff and also i just kind of like had that time alone a little more and just sort of started to just uh i don't know just to really like go back listen to stuff that re that i really felt i started painting i used to draw yeah. younger than i paint i started doing it again and um that was a really weird thing for me because it was like one of those things where it's literally i mean it literally not even metaphorically is a blank canvas you start mm. with right it's like and you've just got all these choices, but then you've also got your aesthetics, right? It's like, do you do you like yellow or do you like red more? Like simple questions, right? That you have to ask yourself as a you're going to make something and put it into the world. And it helped me kind of um, refocus my 
aesthetics, if you like. Um, mm. I think with my last album I did for Hyperdub, this flush wheel pharynx, it was a long thing. I did it over a long time. It was a lot of ideas in there, and it really kind of burnt me out, actually. Um, mm. I mean, I'm happy with a lot of the music on there, almost all of it, but, like, it was a really weird fit way of doing it and stuff, and I got a bit like, wow, I'm thinking in a million directions. I need to just focus it down and just sort of like make it, I said to Steve at Hyperdub after, I was like, the next one is going to be so simple. Mm-hmm. And the models isn't that, but it is that as well. If you know what I mean? Like, yeah. yes, it, we took us a long time to build these model, these voices, but then I was like, I'm just writing what I feel. I'm just mm-hmm. hitting the chords that feel good to me. And yeah, it gets kind of saccharine at moments. And I'm like, is that okay? Yeah, it's okay. Because it feels like <laughs> so it's just sort of like that, you know, that kind of interaction with this canvas. You're like, does that is that mark what you want? No. Well, okay, cover it then. Mm-hmm. And I start to paint like that too. There's these layers and layers and just kind of layering marks on a on a canvas was like a really kind of like interesting um yeah, I don't know how what how to but it it just it sort of informed your aesthetics. That's the best, that's the clue. Mm-hmm. So I, that kind of allowed me back to say, what do I like? So I go into the studio and be like do I like this? Do I like, is that drum right? Is the tempo? Yes. No other questions. Sometimes you can get, there's so many choices, mm. there's so many fractures, there's so many directions that sometimes it's good just to kind of like forget about them almost. <laughs> like, yeah. Just not actually care about anything else other than what you're doing, which sounds kind of both egotistical, a bit mean, but also it's not that easy to do actually. Like it's kind of mm. quite, for me anyway, like it's quite hard to just switch everything off and just, really focused and I managed to do it and I think it was I enjoyed it a lot more for that so so yeah I kind of like I dealt with that kind of fracturing in that, mm. that thing in a way of just like just narrowing back to me in a sense just kind of like centering my own aesthetic judgment and just and just backing myself in a way if you know what I mean not that I didn't before but do you, I think I hope I'm making that point right yeah no I mean I'm, I'm definitely picking up on it um, or at least interpreting it and I'm loving the words and mm. um but like uh, but through these processes do you you know and you're sort of saying you're dealing with personal loss as well mm. and and um was it were you deliberately drawing on your emotion at the time or was that like more like a kind of a thing that you realized had kind of come through the processes that you were I think I was just allowing it to happen a bit more I wasn't like like you know I mean there's ways that you can react to kind of like traumas and stuff and you can you can react in a kind of angry way and I don't don't mean like physically I mean but you can put that into your music like I know you could I could have made a fucking thrash metal record or something or a punk record or a noise record I'm not saying I could I'm just saying I could have in a sense in this right I'm not I'm not able to just go in there and make a thrash (laughs) (laughs) that comes later that's Nick that's in five years that's the next one yeah 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 that's me my napalm death mode go back to <laughs> but like yeah i um i yeah i definitely just let it out a little more i think i just kind of like grew a little bit as a person into a, enabling that to happen and even that's mm-hmm. come in my 40s it's okay it's fine like it's not it's no problem like i don't i don't have an issue it's like i can i feel like someone you know you can still learn a lot about yourself and the world at any point um mm-hmm. about yourself i can so i I thought, yeah, I just kind of like pushed a lot of idea, a lot of thinking out of the way and just lent more into into that kind of yeah, just the 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 core, the your core response to music. Like who doesn't love like a, a beautiful pop song that's like maybe a bit coy, maybe a bit sweet, but like 
I mean, really, if you, I mean, I think most people kind of just don't mind that, right? Really, like, and mm. I just kind of grew up, you know, into jungle, going out, you know, like I'm kind of like got to be seen to be like, you know, like when you're younger, you know, yeah. it's like, I don't like all that's just naff. This is the real stuff. And yeah, yeah, I'm kind of yawn about that now, like whatever. <laughs> 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 long time, don't get me wrong, but to actually get it back and, and put it into your, I mean, I think I, funny when we were, I was talking about this to a, fr- a friend of mine mentioned this to me recently, a very old friend of mine since school. And he was like, there's loads of your tracks are like really kind of like quite heavy emotional tracks on lots of records, but maybe not as focused as models, but there's lots of tracks throughout the records I've made that are really, and I, th- I was like, yeah, that's true. <laughs> so it's not mm. like I've been there before. Yeah. I've just allowed, allowed it to happen. Like um, maybe I was allowing it to happen. Then I just didn't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> realize yeah. oh no it's tricky it's tricky it's very very egocentric kind of way of thinking and i'm not that way often but yeah i i think it was just that i just allowed a bit more yeah just i allowed myself to hit a few of the keys that maybe i would be like well that's a bit too cloy maybe go down here this is cooler and now i didn't go there i allowed that so yeah something like that oh, that's brilliant sort of stepping a little bit out of the comfort zone through i mean was it like bowie used to say like you have to always go just that tiny little bit out of the comfort zone. Like not so. Maybe not massively, but just like everything you do should be a few more steps. I think so. I can't, I honestly, honestly, Paul, I, I, I really can't do it any of, and you'll make mistakes doing that and you won't get everything right. Mm. Like a hundred percent, but like, I, it, I know it's kind of cliche, but you do, ha- I do, I cannot just sit in like, I know how to do this now. I'm going to do this forever. I, I, that just doesn't work for me as a human being. I just can't do that. I have to be like, thinking like okay how can I just flip it but with this one I must say I didn't I didn't kind of want to run off and go into like some crazy I just wanted to like like I think a lot of the sounding models sonically like really leans back into like some of the earlier stuff like like diversions or Koch like this there's a kind of like history in the in the sound which I kind of wanted to add you know by processing by like using degradation tools by like using kind of like tape compressions and all these kind of techniques you can add this kind of aged sound without having to sample something that's old which is which mm. on, on the record it's not there's no samples it's all written from sound libraries so it's like but i wanted it some of it to sound like it probably was a sample i've done that i, for, I like on the on the last record i made for flush or pharynx which is called a million pieces of you i think like, when you listen to that you can really hear models i can, I can hear that last ep and think i can hear models coming after that now i could hear there was tracks on there that like like there's one with that loads a ton of piano and kind of like old hip-hop breaks and stuff and all yeah. that's kind of and like that could be on models really when i listen to it now so it's like i didn't know but the, the i was already kind of moving in a, in it some way <laughs> So yeah, it's interesting. You know, like I don't know. I don't know how other artists are, but like sometimes you have to kind of like you you can only answer these questions once you've done these things. You can look back on your career a bit and then you go, yeah. Oh, I did this, right? I didn't know. Oh, I'm into mm. this. I didn't know. If I've done it for 10 years, I must be into this kind of sound, right? Because the evidence is there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll it, like. <laughs> so yeah, I think it's uh yeah, it was more like felt like a bit more in a sense of a record where I could pull in some of those. You know, okay, I can use some of the skills I've got from, you know, working with like kind of synthesis systems and voice synthesis systems and kind of like cutting edge kind of technology. I can use those skills, mm. but I can also use these skills, which are which are kind of sound design skills, if you like, which I've used to make diversions or Koch or Tvashar or. Mm. So yeah, I kind of felt like I was able to kind of like 
layer a few years of practice onto it and if yeah if that makes sense yeah yeah no definitely and it's it's a talk about all of those years as well and stuff and i wanted to kind of go back to the beginning if that's okay because yeah, because you, you grew up in birmingham yeah right? yeah. yeah and and like what was um the the, the the music what was your kind of introduction to music culture like what, what was the sort of first sort of experiences back then yeah. of music so i grew up with like a like irish birmingham irish family my dad's english mom's mm-hmm background so like there was a lot of music on my mom's side which was traditional there's a lot of people that play music pianos it's very much like in that kind of culture like you know there'd be a go to you know a pub as a family you know as a big family and people would play you know sing along it was very musicalized very verbalized very language like culture and my dad was a huge music fan had a huge record collection um huge like bowie fan kate bush they had some talk talk records um pink floyd um yeah all that kind of stuff that a guy from england is into like vinyl records being into right that kind of stuff when i was growing up i had a lot of music around me like my dad would play music in the car all the time when we drive anywhere we'd put an album on like and he was always into the next you know he was always there listening to quite list trying to keep up with what was happening i remember like he asked me for a cd once you like I don't know. And it was like a trance here. It was like a trance compilation that was in like, like the, you know, HMV or whatever. It wasn't anything like underground, but he'd heard. Yeah. And he picks me up from school playing this like trance, you know, and he was like, he wasn't really supposed, you know, it wasn't like he was like 30 years old. He was old. He was too old for trance then in a sense, <laughs> <laughs> like, right. like banging it out. So he was quite like progressive, I suppose, in some ways. Um, but yeah, so I grew up around a lot of that. So I, and and he was a, and obviously everything he was listening to was really pop music. So like that was mm. there. And then, but for me personally, I think it was like my earliest memories was really kind of like very early hip hop. Like that was the thing I heard it around. But you're talking like in the early '80s, so it's like you know it's hard to think. But there's no internet then. There's no t- yeah. there's very little TV. There's top of the pops and there's some r- commercial radio. It's about it. Like otherwise, you had to really wait till you're old enough to go to a shop or go to a record shop or something so the main thing for me i'd say was jungle for sure and techno like birmingham had like two big clubs there or two kind of clubs that i was going to at the time which was like the house of god at the q club which was like you know that kind of birmingham techno sound and all of the you know claude young jeff mills you know all the regis uh, all these people playing there every week so you could go to that and then you could also go to uh the institute which was on the digbeth high street which was jungle which again had everyone there the, the names you'd all know of that time kenny can fabio group you know everyone um i'd go to both but i definitely felt like the, the the jungle thing for me was just something there was something in it that was kind of really uh, exhilarating and exciting as a young person so i used to go i had some older cousins so like they used to kind of sneak in with them or go in so i was going to them way too young um quite, getting was, past the bouncers about as tall as i am now when i was about 15 i was one of them i shot no. up and just like i thought oh, and then it uh, that leveled off then <laughs> yeah. I was be about seven foot tall at one time but no it just carried it i just i'm just like average height now so mm. yeah so i used to go to them really early and um yeah, and then that was just a matter of then you'd your mates would have tapes, you'd pass them around, go around, you'd find someone with some with someone that had a turntable or someone that had two would be like a, um, unbelievable, and then you buy some records and yeah, so I started DJing like with that stuff. So my first sort of interaction with music wasn't with like an instrument. Although my nan had a little piano in a back room, which she'd try and so I used to play that a bit, but 
nothing formal. Um, but DJing was the thing that I was first like interacting with music with, and that was all jungle. That was like mid mm. uh, early mid nineties jungle, and I was just buying them records, working. Uh, I, yeah, I kind of yeah, I, I was about six, 16, 15, 14, 15, 16 mm. when when I was started when I was mixing. Yeah, and I played on some radio and played in some clubs there as well. And yeah, so I, that was definitely the first. That was the first music that really got me. Mm. That, I, I felt like it was I'd found it right. It hadn't come from top of the pops or my dad or my mom or it was like something that I found as a t- as young teenager. You know, it's like you know you get that kind of feel like you, it's yours. You've found some gold. Yeah. Somewhere. Yeah, and that that is so important as well, isn't it? And it's it's uh it's interesting to reflect like now, like how people find something is very different to how we would have found it in our age. Like you know, I mean, obviously people still can go club. You know, people still do go clubbing and discover music that way. But I think yeah. you know, as you were saying, it's like that was the only ways that you could find stuff a lot of the mm. time is by kind of going out. Absolutely. I mean, the charts were incredible then. I mean, it's, you, you'd see like eight to eight state on the chart. Like at what there was a time where there was definitely like this like late eighties. I think where like, hold on, I'll just put my cat in the uh, other room. No worries. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's uh, he's at me. Yeah, I remember like that kind of uh, yeah. The top. Of, I would watch Top of the Pops and or there was a couple of other. There was the chart show. There was a couple of other ones I can't remember. And now, yeah, they would. You know, you'd hear like Cubic by a white state like on a. Mm. Be sat, you know, if you in your house and it's on the TV, and it's like it's a straight up like rave record, but it was charting quite high and stuff. Mm. It was a kind of like weird accessibility to this this stuff. I remember hearing Inner City, like the album, but Inner City, like mm. when I was really young, and my cousin had it, um, and he was just playing it off this cassette, and we were on holiday, and I was just, I really honestly just had that future shock moment. Yeah. I'm like, what is this? Like what's this like what even is this like mm. that's kind of hard it sounds so like crazy now it's kind of harder to have that moment now because it's mm. so all there and there's and that's great in a lot of ways but mm. it's i don't know if i'd have had that same shock because i would have just grown up with it everywhere like it's even then it was like you know it was like a like a kind of revolutionary music it sounded like to me i mean it kind of is anyway but yeah. like really to me it was like you know, I've gone from the steam engine to the electric, like, or something in a minute. <laughs> what, what are them sounds? Like, what's them sounds? And, yeah, no doubt that really inflected my interest in, like, you know, for a lot of years in the early 2000s, really looking at, trying to find these kind of really unique sounds. Not, I'm not saying now, my records now, but, like, when I was working in more experimental terms and, like, computer music stuff, I was always searching for those, like, is there a, mm. is there a sound out there that, you, that really sounds like nothing else? And, that record did sound like nothing else to me at the mm. time. I really did. Like it was, I think, you know, it wasn't guitars, it wasn't drummers, it was a singer, but it was all this electronic. It was truly, truly amazing. Yeah, it really, really stuck out to me. And it was really soulful as well, wasn't it? It wasn't just like a bunch no, of no, sounds. No. It was, it, you know, it wasn't like sounds you just haven't heard before. It was oh, like. No, no, for sure. Mm. For sure. 100%. Beautiful record. I go back to that sometimes now and put it on, and it's still. Mm. amazingly written beautiful strings beautiful arrangements like totally song i mean it's like considering like no one even really like detroit techno had kind of not even got into the into the club not not really embedded itself into club culture at that point right like properly mm. like now and he was already writing the pop version like the kind of yeah. inner life version of it for, for jungle he did that like straight away off the bat mm. 
pretty incredible. Yeah, really, really a beautiful record. Still amazing record. Love it to bits. Yeah, still. It is fantastic. I might have to go and dig that out this afternoon then, actually. Um, right. Seems to last. You know, you put yeah. it on, it still, this still sounds so good, so nice. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, it does. It really does. Like, it does. Because I think it's just, it's it's fundamentally, like, I think you point out correct. It's 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 a pure piece of music. It's a piece of pop. Mm. It's a pop record, really. It's interesting with this models thing, because that's a kind of good example of, I think, of something that, like, does the, both of those things, like, so well. It's a it's a pop record, but it's also a Detroit techno record at the same time. And it's interesting, actually, because there's, there's also, as well, like, the whole Detroit thing as well. Like, and um, I do, I definitely feel like there's certain music that can only come out of certain cities as hmm. well. Um, hmm. Maybe initially, maybe, like, after things spread, you know, it, it changes. Wow. But, but do you feel like there was something about uh, a Birmingham that kind of really infused... Um, the sound that you kind of maybe still have with you? I think so, yeah. I, I, it's always hard to, like, absolutely know these things, but I, I, the, I agree with the idea. I think definitely you hear stuff coming out of Detroit and you know that it's, it's come from kind of Motown and soul and then, and then this kind of technologized interest and the technology that was being imported into that city to run the f- car factories and everything that, that doesn't seem like a stretch to think that those things are are going to be connected somehow. Um, mm-hmm. I think that seems, um, I don't think that seems like a fair, it doesn't seem like a kind of conspiratorial, I'll just yeah. add things together. It seems like, yeah, that would make sense. Birmingham for sure. Like Birmingham, so Birmingham, Growing up, for sure, has had this. Obviously, it's got this history of like metal, um, you know, from Napalm, and there's obviously you know Black Sabbath and things like that. So you've got this kind of that aspect to it. And then, but for for me, when I when I was kind of like in them formative years, it was that plus jungle techno. Um, that's what I heard. It was those were the three overarching things. And and it's funny because over the years, I've been lucky to meet like some of the guys from Napalm, kind of know them a bit now, and. They, you know, we we can chat, um, and all of them are really also into jungle. All of them. I mean, I don't want to speak for all of them. Yeah, the ones like like Justin, Nick, uh, Mick. They're all like they know they're basically like hip hop, jungle, thrash metal, and punk, and and they also just don't seem to have any like. It's just the it's just the it's not the same, but they don't they don't sit together awkwardly in a sense to them either in their brains. Like, and I've chatted to just mm. I'm talking about like about this. We had a chat about it once when we played to, and our show together, and we were having a beer and talking about this. And he was like, "Yeah, like some of that really dark, like thrashy jungle stuff of like the kind of like Source Direct kind of crane tracks and things mm. like." And you hear this kind of thrashy metal. It's like it's not that far away in some ways like there's a, there's a certain energy in those musics that are that are kind of, that you could say was similar so uh, where where yeah i don't know if that i think that definitely sets into you as a person i think it mm. does like you're around it and you're just growing up and it's there it's in the kind of dna of the city i don't i think that definitely does yeah i think i'd be a different artist if i grew up in a rural village somewhere or something i think so yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd like to think so. Anyway, I think it's nice <laughs> to have that. Yeah, it's very different now, though. I think I, mm. I think you mentioned, like you know, if you grow up now, you're sort of the world's kind of much closer now. You know, like mm. being abroad. Like I never even went abroad until like I started doing this. Really, like so, <laughs> like even though you're in a big city and it's got there's a lot of access to stuff. The access is less pre-internet. The access to diff, to going to different places and experiencing different cities is is less, or certainly wasn't. Mm. 
uh, I didn't, you know, the most people I wasn't, you know, wasn't traveling the world and listening to music. There just wasn't. So, so it was much more insular. So I guess that, that, that helps to build us, to build a kind of a sound in a city, I think. Mm. So yeah, that, that was my experience of Brom. It was that kind of like thrashy, noisy, pro- but, but also really progressive. Like Napalm mm. were like, you might hear it and think, oh, it's just really like thrashy, but it's also really future facing too at the time. Like, mm. you know. It's a new music. It was like a new way of singing. It was a saying a lot politically. Um, yeah, and I think Jungle was the same, like in a way, you know, it mm. was felt like a positive kind of politics inside, an inclusive one. But you know, a, you know, different areas of Birmingham would be in the same venue and generally getting on. And so, yeah, it, they, yeah, there's lots of analogies. Yeah, without trying to reach too hard. Yeah. No, I know what you mean. Just like naturally, just like seem to sort of naturally sit there with it. Man, no one's like tweaking the, tweaking the, you know, no one's like tweaking from a distance somehow. No, it just, that's the makeup of a city, right? Like, yeah, I think so. I mean, you look at like Jungle then, like, and like so many of those DJs came from like Hackney, literally like a few blocks in Hackney. There's about 10 of them or something. It's like, it's tiny, really. Mm. The area that had such a weight on that, like, you know, like, uh, like DJ Ron, he does a podcast and here's a lot of people. And he's like, oh, yeah, you were from like this road and they're from that road and they went to school together. It's like, you know, and then when you're watching it from a distance as a kid, you think it's this huge thing and they're, but yeah. really like from a, from a, from an area like in Hackney almost, right? Not exactly. I know it was broader than that, but just as an example of that kind of insularity, like, yeah, it's not, yeah. And then you kind of feed back off these ideas back and forth off each other. So, Mm. Yeah, and that's also that. Also, that I think the other thing I just quickly like to say about that because it's always struck me that like this kind of idea of Birmingham techno, and you hear this kind of kick drum pattern in Birmingham techno, which is kind of like ragga. Mm. And also, obviously, Birmingham had like you know a big West Indian community, and you know that I remember going into the ball ring on a weekend, and you'd have like steel band playing every Saturday. Just mm. that's the sound of that city center. So, you know. These these things don't happen on their own. These things don't just yeah. I- I exclusive of one another. Scar comes from that area, and so these kind of meldings of these kind of like energies or cultures or whatever you want to call them, like are both beautiful and real. They really happen. Like hmm. it's, it's real. <laughs> like it's not. It's not forced. It's yeah, like, nothing real. happens in a vacuum, does it? There's always like the consistent. Yeah. Set of circumstances and stuff around. It's a conversation. It's a conversation that's been had between people. I think I like to think of it like that. I don't mean that in a tricky, like overly poetic or philosophical way. It's just easy. It's a kind of conversation that you're having with with other people, like (laughs) who may who may about your sort of music interests or not. You hear something like you know, like the kind of hardcore stuff of, of the you know in that kind of jungle breaks were there, but you had all these kind of like different kind of voices high pitch voices and then these ragger voices and like it's just sounds what birmingham looks like in a sense in some sense right like it makes sense to, and not just birmingham other other kind of multicultural big cities as well so mm. so yeah I, I definitely think that that's that 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 is in me and i don't want it to go anywhere either like i'm very <laughs> i'm very happy to have, very lucky in fact to have to have grown up in that environment yeah yeah and, and then and then kind of moving it seems sort of from reading stuff about you it kind of seems like there was a period where like at least in interviews you sort of said you started to get kind of a little bit bored with club culture and at the same time like a a kind of composition was kind of coming in and what was the kind of process for that for you you know how Uh, was it the moments I, i basically around i think it's probably like 
you know, I was like, like I'm still like it now a bit. When I was like even younger, I was really voraciously looking for like the edge, always like the next thing, the next like what's what we use what drum break on that record, what's that bass sound or. So when, and I felt that like, for me anyway, again, just personally, like it felt like, I don't know, like maybe that towards the late nineties, like jungle just sort of started to get stuck and it sort of didn't have all these kind of influences in and these sounds and these kind of cross pollinations of things and these clashes and all these be- things that I just felt like were really like progressive and beautiful and sounded amazing and worked really well. Um, and it sort of got a bit formulaic and a bit like, techie and like energy became quite quite hard and kind of I mean I just yeah I guess I just fell out of love with it a little bit Uh, but simultaneously just like also being exposed to I've always like kind of been I've always like followed like painting and the arts generally and stuff and then there was also this all this whole music that was in there like from from uh, you know music concrete electronic music and all this and it's all that and I was just like I just need I just kind of yeah, as I as I guess I would just dived into that really, and and I, and then maybe just left that behind because I just I don't know. It just maybe it just felt like I just needed to focus on that, and then I and then I moved to that. So I moved to London then also, and studied at uh, the Lansdowne Centre for Electronic Arts in Middlesex, so in Middlesex, so in North London. So I I just I just really dove, delved into that and studied and. I'd just been in shitty jobs up till then and I kind of mm. saved up to go to uni and that was like for me like a big thing to get out so I so for me it was a very it was very much like a personal thing where I just needed to like change my life and 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 mm. see if I could make something and so I so I ended up kind of like yeah not doing that so much and and until until kind of like grime and kind of dubstep when that happened around the mid 2000s something like that, then I was like wow what's this again that kind of got my ear again but there was a a bunch of years maybe 10 years where I just really kind of I mean I was still listening sometimes it wasn't like I was mm-hmm. but I just wasn't really thinking much about it. I wasn't like following it I was I was really reading you know a, a lot about about much more experimental musics and the history of that and 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 making it and and, and just work play, more kind of gallery facing stuff and more like that kind of stuff so yeah which was which was great um and i probably spent 10 years doing that and then when then diversions happens and i go back again so yeah i don't know it's these 10 year cycles i think i have it's like i don't know <laughs> <laughs> but again i think a lot of these things are easier to kind of process p- afterwards aren't they when you kind of go back oh yeah yeah i can see that was like yeah. uh that was going on in my life at that time you know mm-hmm. Rather mm-hmm. than at the time, you're just kind absolutely. of absolutely hindsight's like the kind of like much more tr- true in a way, <laughs> like it's on a on history, right? You can look at as I said, you can look and go, well, that's what I did. I can't, I can't say that I did it, I did it in that year or that it happened because there, it, there it is, down on the yeah. time somehow. So, yeah, I, I don't necessarily think I was like, oh fuck all that music, it's shit. I definitely wasn't that. I'm not that, but I would never have thought that. I have a huge respect as I'm hope you can tell for that culture of music mm. and and always have i just think for me it was like I, I moved out of birmingham and i moved to london and i was i was studying and i was older as well like i wasn't studying i didn't go to uni after school or anything i just worked in you know pretty dead-end jobs to be honest like, and, I, and i just knew that wasn't that wasn't going to be enough for me it was going to make me ill if i carried on doing them so i had to make a shift and i found this course and went there for an interview actually and then they said i i didn't i didn't have a level or anything like that so but they they asked me to go away and i had to save up for the deposit to go on the course so i went away worked another year got a portfolio together went back and they got me on the course somehow really like actually like blessed them for that because the guy 
ran the course, said, look, you don't have the qualifications, but you do, you you should be on this. Basically, he was like, you should be on this course. Mm. So he went away and spoke to whoever these superiors, and they can sometimes get people on without A-levels, and they did that for me, which was like really a nice gesture, really a life-changing gesture, actually. They may not know that, but it was. Yeah. But, yeah. So they did that. So I, I just, I was just like fully focused on that. I was like total class nerd, 10 minutes early for every lesson, no drinking, no smoking, no late nights, doing my homework, like 100%. I loved it. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I wasn't going to mess it up, no. I, I had a similar, I went back to university. I had like one aborted attempt at university in the 90s, right. but I just partied. And then I went back in the mid 2000s and i'd done lots of muck jobs i'd just done lots of factory jobs bar jobs things like that and then it was the same sort of thing of thinking like i'm just going to take this opportunity this is just i'm gonna this is it this is it like you don't have like there's not any other choice it's a bit like my career like again these words i just done a better one uh now like it's like that it's like i I, you know i'm not going to compromise my work but i am like it's it's very clear to me that I don't have something to just go back. Like this is it. This is what I have to do. So I have to work. Like I, I I'm fully focused on it. I'm not saying that, that that I wouldn't be if I had a million pound in the bank. I would maybe I would be as well. I don't know, but I know that I have to be because there is there are sometimes in the in where you have that choice. It's like I knew when I went and got on that course and I was at that age. I was in my like mid twenties and I'd worked for ten years in jobs that were just making me ill. Mm. I was just like, I this is an uh, absolute opportunity that I've gone and found this thing, this uh, the advert for this thing, and I've found I've gone to the course, I've traveled on the train, I've gone and spoke to them, they're interested, I've gone away. Well, you know, when you do that and you turn up on that first Monday morning, you're not you're not pissing around. Like you can't, like it's costing mm. a lot of money. I had a relationship that I had to cut that broke down from that because we was I was moving away, you know, moving away from everyone. It was a big thing for me. Uh, so yeah, I, I fully focused on that. And and that's a reason, I guess, why I ended up going down this sort of more stud- studious academic path, which I really enjoyed. Don't get me wrong, and I still enjoy it now. But mm. but I, I definitely, you know, school I wasn't really that engaged with. So it was like for me, it was like okay, I definitely I definitely have some brain in there, and I'm going to use it now because I've got a chance. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it was, um, and I loved it. I, I really I really loved it. Yeah, I loved yeah. doing to study i i really thought i really really did have a great three years there yeah, it was incredible so not he's not even there anymore the course unfortunately it's completely gone now but it was an incredible course yeah incredible time yeah amazing yeah and it's this i mean again it's like this idea of the word artist as well like i mean is that something because i think like being english we do feel a bit uncomfortable about kind of things like calling yeah. ourselves artists and stuff yeah, yeah, and yeah, i think yeah. particularly you know like working class backgrounds as well yeah. it's not something that naturally always sits but no, no, no. How, do you, how do you feel about that term now do you when someone calls you an artist do you yeah. feel like yeah i am or is there like a a bit of hang on a minute you know I don't, you know i don't know still like it's really one of those um it is one of those class i think it is definitely down to a lot of like class stuff that you kind of feel as though people will be like oh you think you're an artist or so it's like i don't know i mean fundamentally put at the bottom line i don't care i just do my yeah. thing like i don't actually care what what people like think my type the title of what i do should be I would call myself an artist, but if someone if someone just asks me, like it depends who's asking me. To be honest, <laughs> like yeah, it really does. I'll kind of like shift the response around accordingly to who's asking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I try not to say to to do that, but it, it, 
It's a, it's an interesting question because it actually is it's really loaded, even though it mm. seems really insignificant. But it's loaded as hell, like th- those sorts of terms. If I if I say I, I DJ, no one bats an eyelid, no one anywhere. If mm. I say I'm an artist, then but like what what what's the deal? I don't know. Like I mean, I I I have a creative output and that's what i do for a living and so that kind of sounds like an artist to me <laughs> like you know if you look at the dictionary definition and i mean regardless of whether you think it's any good or not but if it, mm. i'm somehow making forging a career out of my creative energies then it kind of sounds like the job title should be an artist. <laughs> i don't know man. maybe i'm maybe i'm uh underthinking it i don't know it just seems like that would be a fair uh title but but yeah it's a tricky one it's a it's a you could do a whole podcast on on that kind of stuff you, i mean i'm not good but you really could funny i've just actually started reading this book it's called the melancholia of class a manifest right, yeah. of, okay who's that by it's by um uh, an america mexican-american writer called mm. cynthia cruz and uh yeah I, I it's kind of like something in in a sense about these things where you where she's a writer and she's kind of crossed over from like a poor background into a more middle-class background as kind of my life is now and uh and what that means and how that works and the kind of details and the nuances of that and things like what you're asking about like how you turn what kind of terminology you use sometimes uh, you know in the media they'll be like oh these I read something saying, oh, like you need a PhD to understand Lee's music. I'm like, I don't have a fucking PhD. So mm. how would you get that? Most people that are journalists are way more educated in a sense than I am. I've come from way more educated backgrounds. Mm. And then I'm then not from that background. I've educated myself and now I'm too, I'm saying too much. I'm too, it's too, it's not, mm. I can't understand. It's like, what do you want? Like, <laughs> like, like I'm either supposed to be like, you know, over there just like bouncing up and down behind the turntables and being that person for you or if i go here and start talking about you know the kind of ideas that i've I've thought about in my music or you know god forbid philosophy or something like that then i know that i'm stepping outside of my kind of class boundaries right like Mm -hmm. i understand that i totally understand that that's not going to stop me it's actually like that's the thing that you should do but you and i'm not talking about i'm not talking about people who are from like middle or upper class on other working class people who say oh you get above your station it's like Mm. what the fuck why do you have a station like what do you mean you can't read a certain book because you was born in a, a council estate well, that just to me reinforces like class problems like not yeah so but these are things these are really tricky tricky areas they're very ephemeral they're very you can't pinpoint them no one really knows where they sit mm. in these structures you know i have a middle class lifestyle now mm. but I, my family don't and i'm not from it so am i working class anymore i, mean, I don't like Again, I, I'm not, I don't really care for these terms. I'm not walking around with my t-shirt, but like they mean they're they're emotional things. They have they have an impact on you for definite, yeah. for definite. And that's a good. So just a question as simple as that: like, are you an artist? Is like there's a fucking book on these, you know, like on yeah. something like you know by a really intelligent writer who's who's moved through those kind of seat glass ceilings or whatever, you know. And um, it's very tricky to answer that. Yeah, really tricky. It, yeah, it's so fascinating, isn't it? And, as, and I, I think as well, just like this whole, yeah, but I mean, and like, what do you feel like over your life that you, what would you sort of tell your younger self, you know, if you, if you were kind of 
like sat now and you had the opportunity, like a bit like Tom Hanks in Big, like you could, <laughs> <laughs> but you could see your younger self. Wow, what would I say? I would, I would. Uh, there's a lot of things that I think now that I would kind of think I thought then. I, I, I think I thought. I think I was sort of the same person. I think what I've learned that I have now is how to say what I think, like how to, how to, like you know, through educate, through reading a lot, through reading much, much, much smarter people than me talking about things that I feel. Uh, they they give you a voice, right? They give you a vocabulary to be able to talk about certain things. Or say I don't know the answer to whether I'm an artist. It's, a, it's fine. No. So I think I, I think that I wouldn't really change him. Actually, I'd say you do 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 just go just do the thing, just do it. Because I think I've always, I definitely would. I, I mean, I, ideal idealistically, I'd tweak a lot of his journey. But like, of course, I would just be like, you know, I'm. A, I definitely feel as though I'm not sure I'd want to be a different person in a way. If that makes sense, yeah. I'm just. It's what it is, right? Like there is lots mm. of things that affected me that I've had no control over mm. and there are some things that I could have controlled a lot better but you know what like it is what it is right at the end yeah. of the day, like if, I, it, if, if you change something you don't realize you probably change something else that you need like a as well. effect, right like it's yeah. the kind of thing that you just like it's just it's taken me probably longer than I would have liked to have become kind of doing this as a job I feel like I lost a lot of years because of there's a lot going on in my life like not not for me but on to me like there was just a lot of stuff in my life which I had no control of that definitely stopped me from you know you know just exploring my own art art yeah I said the word there did you see I said it, it went it went it's down <laughs> um yeah so yeah so I think that I that, that those sort of years that I feel like I lost I feel a bit sad for them but then you know that there's a lot of stuff in there that you pull through into your world now and in your work and 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 focus on maybe I'd have gone to uni early if I'd have started I mean I did DJ when I was very young but too young to be kind of going out drinking or doing whatever if I was doing that in my 20s when I wasn't really able to do a lot I probably would have screwed up I might have screwed up I'm gone like like you said you went to uni and just kind of like mm. you know didn't really so maybe that kind of those years actually in a sense um I, when I was a bit older when I started to go to uni and then start DJing again and painting later maybe maybe that's okay you know like maybe that's okay maybe that's just kind of like worked out okay <laughs> yeah I definitely would like for any any anyone like that as well like there was also like mental health stuff that was just not apparent mm. when I was young it was just not even a conversation I'm so yeah. glad that's changed now that's a societal thing that's not me talking to myself but it like have, speaking to people like I had a bit of therapy once like a couple of years ago which was like really 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 amazing like to do that you know um I think that would have been good if a lot of people I knew a lot of my friends and people would have done yeah. would have, been, have opened up about things and get diagnoses or whatever or just think about that stuff that would have helped a lot of people I think when I was growing up it, probably me included I don't know but mm. um but yeah I'm 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 yeah, th those things I think. Yeah, but not too much. I'll just let him get on with it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's yeah, like you saying that as well because I, I I grew up in the nineties and mm. and I definitely feel that you know there was a lot of good things about the nineties, like culturally it was some fantastic yeah, 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 stuff. Absolutely. But but at the same time as that, when you talk about things like mental health and things oh, yeah. that people talk about now, I I do remember how horrible 
everyone was to each other like me i was horrible to people people were horrible to me and it was just almost like that was it was just an accepted form of communication is just to belittle people or or use certain words that you wouldn't use now so it's so inspiring to see like a younger generation of people now like absolutely okay with uh talking about these things and 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 allowing terms to 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 emerge for them and uh absolutely i think it's like a, an incredibly positive cultural shift that i agree we may look back with these rose tinted glasses to these like acid house smiley face but on the flip side there was definitely you know a lot of a lot of people that that could have benefited from that kind of um converse those kind of conversations that we can have now so yeah i definitely feel as though i agree with you i think that's definitely a big positive shift that we have now that we didn't have then there's 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 other stuff but like that for sure is a really positive one i think yeah it's really good really a good thing yeah yeah um lee thank you so much no problem Oh, don't thank you for having me. Yeah, yeah. No, maybe you got a bit deep, but hey, yeah. No, I like it. That's I, I love a good deep one. So <laughs> yeah, morning after some gigs, I'm just a bit like, oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, totally. I know what you mean. <laughs> okay, so that was me, Paul Hamford, talking with Lee Gamble for Lost and Sound podcast. And we had that conversation on the 13th of November 2023. Uh, Models, the album, is out now on Hyperdub. And Lost and Sound is proudly presented by Audio Technica, a global but still family-run company that make headphones, turntables, cartridges, microphones, stuff that I use. I use the AT2020 USB microphone to do the conversation that you heard with Lee Gamble. I love it because I'm, I'm a bit rubbish at tech, but all I need to do with that is just plug it into my laptop and you get studio quality sound. Fantastic. Anyway, check out all of their stuff on audiotechnica.com. Um, the music that you hear at the beginning, at the end of every episode of Lost in Sound is done by Thomas Giddens. And there's great, great stuff from him coming soon, which I'd love to share, put a link with very soon in the show. And yeah. All it remains for me to say is I hope you're taking care of yourself. I hope you're having a really, really amazing one and I'll chat to you soon.